Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast, powered by Kasoon Carr. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Ed Hooper, a high-profile corporate partner at Trowell Hamlin's. Welcome, Ed. Hello, Rob, and thanks for having me along. This week is called Harvey versus Hooper, suits real or not. So I must start by asking you the all-important question uh, that everyone in the legal community wants to know, particularly as you are a corporate partner uh, in London as well. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very real, how real do you rate the TV hit series Suits? Well, that's a hell of a question to start off with, Rob. Uh, You know I'm a fan of Suits. And you know, I don't like to sit on the fence. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, 10 being very real. There we go. 10. So we're back to 10. So um, I think it's only our dear friend, James Breeze, we had on the other week who decided to give it a one. And his rationale for that was he's yet to meet a secretary like Donna. (laughs) Well, you can't argue with that. Donna's a cracking secretary. uh, But I I think uh, I've pondered this one in the past. And and I think there's a lot of reality in there hidden away. I think you have to search quite hard for the reality. They've removed all the drudgery uh, that one might imagine goes on uh, behind uh, lawyers' offices. Uh, you have to get over the fact that uh, you've got litigators doing corporate work and <laughs> You mean that doesn't happen in real life? <laughs> well, there's a bit of a crossover now and again. And, um, you know, photographic memories, who has those? I wish I did. But I think um, that there are some really interesting points there and the, the, the sort of themes that come up, I think uh, that they, they all display uh, superb lateral thinking, uh, strategy uh, and a uh, real aptitude when it comes to winning clients. And I think that's what I mean when I, I say um, that it's very real, because I think those are all really key qualities of any lawyer. And if you can make it seem more glamorous than it is, than it is uh, for the purpose of entertainment, then so much the better. Well, Ed, you've definitely won the most detailed and impressive, comprehensive answer of Suits thus far. So uh, thank you for that. But today we are we are talking about sort of the reality of, um, you know, being a corporate partner in a major international law firm, which obviously you are. But let's go back a step first. Did you always want to be a lawyer? So from a pretty early age, yes. Uh, I'd say from sort of GCSE stage onwards, um, I, I'd uh, already had a vacation placement in a law firm, yep. uh, noticed that it appealed to the skill set that I was developing, mm-hmm. what it was thoroughly interesting work, didn't really understand what what it was, but wanted to uh, get a better understanding of it. So I, I took myself off and did more vacation schemes. I was uh, recommended books like Understanding the Law and, uh, you know, sort of introductory guides to the law. Yeah. And uh, it, it took off from there. I think I think it's fair to say a lot of us lawyers get uh, thrown onto uh, a certain path at quite an early age because once you've decided that you might want to be a lawyer, yeah. you're already deciding what A-levels might be good ones to choose and then whether you go ahead and do it as a degree or whether you sort of fall into it later on. Yeah. And, but I think it is, a, it is quite a sort of career path from the word go. It's that you're then into 
training contracts in the in the traditional routes anyway, and uh, and, and from there it's uh, a career in house or uh, private practice. You know the the options are there. Yeah, and so again, the other week we had a, a staunch litigator who was very pro contentious work, had no time for non contentious work at all. What didn't interest him? So you know that's quite the contrary to today. You're very much a transactional lawyer. That's always been your bread and butter. So. Why do you enjoy so? Why do you enjoy that so much? And why do you think people who are thinking about a career in law, particularly corporate, should consider corporate? So I'm I'm a big fan of corporate law because yeah. it's a collaborative exercise. Uh, one is building something uh, with, with a often with a great sort of team uh, involved. Um, so we're not talking just lawyers, but but often uh, in my world, I'm teaming up with investment banks, brokers. Uh, accountants, financial advisors, uh, other law firms, great clients, uh, and, and and that package together uh, builds uh, often a, an amazing product. Yeah. Uh, now, dis- no disrespect intended to uh, litigators. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, go for it. But they're, they're looking at it from a through a different lens. They're, they're, they're looking at, uh, at when things go wrong. Yeah. Things, uh, things pivot and they change, <laughs> uh, but... Uh, we're always trying to build something. And uh, the, the, to be honest, I, I don't have a great deal of overlap with litigators for that reason. Uh, occasionally things get heated or you might have an activist shareholder, somebody who hasn't been paid a fee, um, who, who wants a commercial negotiator rather than a, an out-and-out litigator. Yeah. Um, but I, I think um, we, we can also, as corporate lawyers, learn an awful lot from our uh, litigation friends and do uh, when, when they come and talk to us about how how to draft something so that it stands up in court and how to make something watertight. So I think, uh, you know, we, we can learn a lot from each other, but I think the mindset uh, is is very different and it diverges uh, the, the longer you do. Yeah. And obviously you've had a, a wonderful career. You've been very fortunate, but through lots of hard work to work in magic circle firms, you're now in a sort of top international law firm. Um, but from your experiences, and again, people probably wanted to rise up the ranks. What do you think makes a great transactional lawyer and what skills and things do they need to be thinking about? So I, I think transactional lawyers, I think you, you develop it over time. I, th- I think you can't be learning on the job and yeah. gaining the experience through doing it time and time again. I think where, where you want to be, or at least in my opinion, where, where you want to be and where I strive to be is to be a decisive project manager uh, with an ability to take a strategic oversight of a particular transaction, uh, but at, at the same time be involved enough in the detail of what's going on and being able to communicate that detail uh, to those that need to know. That's a really important point. And I think a lot of lawyers fall into the trap where they forget their clients want to understand the solution. And I think some lawyers who are exceptionally technical may not be able to present the solution in the way that their clients can fully understand. And I think that's from my experiences. I've seen that, you know, it's a client business as well. You've got to be able to communicate to the clients the way they're going to understand it. That, that's right. And, and appreciating that different clients have different aptitudes. So some are uh, very much sort of helicopter view and yeah. Yeah. don't really want any detail at all. Others, uh, you know, w- won't take your word for it unless it's sort of fully supported. So I, I think it's having the flexibility to adapt your, your style to your client really on, on that front. Yeah. And lunchtime. I know that's a big thing for you, um, as it is for everyone. Uh, 
are you a sandwich and stay at a desk kind of guy or are you a depart and dine and what, what do you tend to, to do? So I like, I like the way you've put these. Uh, <laughs> I think it's fair to say a, a bit of both. A uh, bit of both, okay. I'm going to sit on the fence on this one. And, and, and I thought you said at the top you weren't going to sit on the fence. Uh, there's a reason I'm sitting on the fence <laughs> on this one. It's because I've, I've got two roles. Um, so I, I've got a business development function yep. uh, and I've got a uh, sort of black letter law function, I suppose. And um, with my wearing my business development hats, uh, it's really important for me to be out and about and uh, meeting new prospects, new clients and uh, generating new business. Yeah. Now that is done in many forms. It can be a breakfast, it can be a coffee, it can be going for a run, it can be having lunch, supper, all all sorts of variations, even a beer. (laughs) Uh, And again, flexing to what what the person you're meeting uh, is is really after and what what they're keen on doing. Uh, But that does take me away uh, often at lunchtimes, you know, probably yeah. twice a week. Uh, I, I then like to sort of mix up the rest. I'd, li- I'd like to sort of try and find at least one day a week to have lunch with a colleague. Uh, we have a partner's lunch here every Friday, which I try and attend as much as possible because you then get a feel for what's going on in the business and the, the wider space. And it's great to spend time with colleagues. Otherwise, you might as well be sat at home working from home all day, yeah. Uh, which leaves then a couple of days probably in the week where I'm having a sandwich at the desk, uh, feeling a bit miserable and uh, get plowing through work. Well, I know you're not a fan of walking, but um, Ed and I actually run together and uh, I hate to admit it, but he's 10 times better than me in running. He's actually can do 10, what's your fastest 10K at the moment? It's sort of 30. Just, just over, well, yeah, at a forty-six. Yeah, yeah, which is which is not bad. Which is not bad. So um, yeah, Ed and I do try and try and keep up the running. But I'll, I'll give you on give you on that. Um, in terms then of partners, I know you're very collegiate. You always try and bring the best out of the associates that work for you. And you know, there's a big thing now where it shouldn't just be downward management, but upward management from associates. But what do you think partners can be doing to bring out to actually bring out the best of their associates and their team? So I, I learned uh, a few years back now uh, f- from my wife, who is a commercial manager, that uh, management isn't just one trick. Yeah, there, there are multiple ways that one can manage someone. Uh, and the really important thing, I think, to appreciate is that flexing your management style to the, uh, the person in the team that you're working with um, is really key. So... I think I think some people like a lot of uh, hand-holding and a lot of nurturing and lots of feedback, um, whereas others might genuinely appreciate more responsibility and more of a sort of stand-back approach from a partner. And I think that's a really interesting point. And I still think to this day, um, some law firms are lacking in that. I know it's certainly not in your space and something you are a people person and you really understand that. But I still get the impression from associates that we speak to that it's, well, it's this way or you've just got to do it like that and just get on with it. And I think more and more people like you who are building out your practices, doing great things that are trying to actually really build this more collegiate culture it just produces better results all around right you've seen some real results from that yeah i mean i think it's fair to say a lot of my generation uh learned from uh some some quite uh different managers yeah. uh, who had a, a very different approach that they had perhaps learned themselves uh very much uh sort of do as i say yeah and uh you, you were often quite terrified as of, of partners uh, as, as a trainee I, th- I think these days that doesn't really cut it it doesn't really work for for either 
the 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 partners or, or the uh, associates trainees. I think the the trouble is lawyers grow up learning to be great technical lawyers, um, probably at the expense early on of, of how to be a great manager. Yeah, well said, well said. And what I really like about you, Ed, following your career, it's worth pointing that Ed and I have actually worked together as as, as well. So I'm generally speaking firsthand, one of the most you know competent corporate partners I've had the experience of working with. But what I really like about you is your more entrepreneurial way at looking at the law, and you've actually taken risks in your career. And naturally, lots of lawyers are quite risk averse. So do you want to talk about maybe some of your risk you've taken throughout your career and what you would say to people that probably are sat on the fence where they should make a move shouldn't make a move and yeah talk about your experience yeah no that's why I wonder where you're going with that for a minute because <laughs> uh, because lawyers don't take risks and uh, yeah. you know it, it, certainly when you're advising a client um the, the clients were there to take the risks so the, the lawyer is there to sort of guide them through them and give yep. opinions um, but, but in terms of risks I've taken uh, with my career, I mean, I suppose every move uh, is, is a risk, um, mm. but both for the uh, person moving and, and for the firm too. Do you think that's been helpful for the moves you've made? Do you think it's been helpful for you as you've plotted the journey to make partner or do you, do you yeah, talk, talk us a bit about that because lots of people maybe get held up in their current firm. They get a lot of promises, you know, maybe they're on a track and that's sort of ripped on the way from them. Yeah. Talk through your sort of real life experiences of that. I, I think you have to have confidence in yourself. And I, I think we're in a, an age now where uh, a career isn't likely to last uh, the, the whole time in, in one firm. Yeah. There are distinct benefits, anyway, in my view, for, for moving firms uh, to, to gain a different perspective on how to do things. I think uh, that, that there is a risk uh, that you get uh, very comfortable where you are in a firm. Uh, you, you know who you need to speak to for, for which bit of advice. You know how all the operational functions of a firm work. And I, th- I think that that gives a great deal of comfort. But I think if um, if you're not progressing at the speed that you want to be, mm. if you're not finding the work that interests you, if you're not working with people that are exciting to work with, uh, then they, these are always quite good drivers to have a think about, take take a step back and have a think about whether the way you are is is absolutely right for you. Yeah. Would, would you say, because we speak to lots of people, again, going through their careers, maybe there are two, maybe there are three PQE, and maybe they're quite generous, and they're saying, oh, do I need to think about specializing now before I get too senior? Or what advice would you give to those people who are maybe corporate lawyers, transactional lawyers at the moment about when to specialize, not to specialize, how to keep a generalist? So I, I think you need flexibility, and particularly in these markets. It's fair to say at the moment, the equity capital markets aren't singing. Yeah. So having uh, an ability to turn to other areas, whether that's restructuring or M&A, it's always valuable to a a firm. So I I think um, I wouldn't advocate specialising too soon. I Mm -hmm. I think the benefits of uh, having a really broad knowledge um, are are clear to see. And actually, the, the, the more different transactions one comes across as a corporate lawyer, the, the more one realizes they're all quite similar at heart and the same principles apply. Uh, so I, th- I think, you know, that's what I enjoy. Yeah. Okay. And then on still the building theme, you're, you know, you're a partner, you know, the big part of that is BD and winning clients. We know Harvey Specter is the ultimate closer, but how do you win clients? And, you know, what are some of the things that you've been most proud of throughout your, your career? So for, for me, business development, um, 
kind of really clicked into gear at about the time of uh, first becoming a partner. Um, yep. Up until that point, I'd uh, been really focusing on becoming technically able and what I really wanted to do and, and did achieve was uh, have the ability to run any kind of transaction and, and take a complete lead on those transactions. But uh, in, in terms of uh, business development, yeah, as I say, it sort of really clicked in on becoming a partner. It, it, it needed to be because uh, the, the, the place I joined, I needed to start bringing in work to uh, not only keep myself busy, but a, a small team around me. Yeah. Uh, and so I, th- I think I've, I've always um, really enjoyed it, actually. I, I think it, it, do- it doesn't have to be a large client win to get me excited. And I can often see a bigger picture in that if you uh, w- win a small matter, it can often lead to a lot more in the future. So I'm, I'm pretty open-minded. Yeah. Um, you're doing wonders with your practice and it is just going from strength to strength. That's un- undoubted. Um, what are some of your long, well, what are the long-term plans for your sort of practice? Where do you want to see it going? Because all, all of the things that you're doing is real helpful insights for people, but, you know, sort of lay the path down for what, you know, a corporate partner's thinking in terms of 2020 and what it looks like. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really uh, in, in building mode still. Yeah. There's a long way to go yet um, with, with my brief here. I've been with the firm for 18 months, uh, was tasked with uh, building up their capital markets practice. Uh, the, the, the foundations are certainly there, but I don't want to stop at that. So I'm really ambitious. I want to grow the team and for it to become a, a really big part of our corporate offering. Yeah. So I think uh, in, in terms of uh, the details behind that, what, what I'm really looking to do is uh, we, we've got a sort of an open mandate, as, as you know, um, to go and find great people to build the team. Uh, that can be at all levels, really. So we're, we're quite opportunistic. If it was a partner hiring level, we'd consider it yep. anywhere below that, really. Uh, and I think that's testament to all the great work you've done. I think, you know, many partners coming in, you know, year and a half in the whole scheme of things isn't a large amount of time, but for, to get the buy-in from everyone in the firm and to really get behind you and sponsor you, you must be doing something right. Is there any tips for people back to the people taking risks and maybe the more senior they get, the higher the risks, the more level of commitments. But is there anything that you found that you've done that has really got people on side within a law firm or little things you do with internal stakeholders that have really benefited you? I think just being confident uh, helps enormously because I think as soon as you don't portray that confidence yourself, you've kind of lost your colleagues and probably the people you're targeting as well. Now, obviously, confidence uh, can't just be... You've got to back it up, right? (laughs) There there does have to be something there. And I I think um, for for me, uh, the amount of preparation, uh, whether it's for a conversation with a, a colleague internally or whether it's for a prospective client or whether it's for an existing client but you just want to catch up uh in in my view you can't spend enough time preparing for those sorts of conversations and i think unfortunately that's the the hard work bit that there's not really a shortcut to it but having done that groundwork it, it pays huge dividends and that's a really key point for both internal stakeholders and your clients, because if you're really showing you care and getting into the DNA of them and researching and treating them as individuals and really wanting to add value to them, that, that goes for miles, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you do a lot of work with some interesting or have done with some tech startups and, you know, within the world of tech generally, that's kind of a sector I know you do a lot of work in, but legal tech is becoming more and more of a thing. Yes. Um, you know, what's your, your your view on that? Where do you see, you know, who's embracing it the most? And, you know, where do you see legal tech in the next sort of five years or so? 
Now, I, I don't want to come across as a light here. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you might be, Ed, but come on. <laughs> for, for me, legal tech is great. It, it's got a place in the sector and it's not going to disappear. Yeah. It's going to grow rapidly. But, but for me, uh, we can all get a bit too excited about tech. And what's equally as important and still the, the main driver, I think, binds most of what we do is a real sort of customized, tailored approach uh, mm. to a client's needs. Um, so I, the, the, for me, there's no such thing really as a plain vanilla tra- transaction and therefore y- using tech to streamline a transaction uh, that doesn't work in its entirety. Now, the more commoditized the advice being given, uh, the, the better tech becomes and I think there, there are certainly pockets of the firm uh, where, you know, I'm, I'm thinking sort of due diligence. I'm yeah. thinking uh, sort of smart contracts where tech is absolutely fantastic. But for me, uh, you know, an, an email and a phone will, uh, will will do just fine predominantly for, for the majority of what I'm doing. Yeah. Fair. Well said. Well said. I think we can get ahead of ourselves, can't we, with sometimes this legal tech and AI and buzzwords. But, you know, I think the point you're making there is about really customizing bespoke service. Because if you're going to get instructed and you want to really understand your client, then you can't just say, well, this bit of tech's going to do what it's done for the other 10 clients because it's, it's an individual case by case basis. And that's your point about relates to the other point of really preparing and really delivering for your clients and understanding them and not trying to be generic and not yeah, that, that, that's right. it. And and if, if someone can present a solution to me that is going to save time, then I'm, I'm all for it. So yeah. I'm, I'm not knocking that at all. I think there are some really exciting uh, products out there for sure. Um, AI seems to be in its uh, infancy and that's going to go from strength to strength. So I, I'm I, I, I'm awaiting uh, the, the, the the point where it all becomes really hard, usable and functional. Yeah. The Ed Hooper bot. Watch this space. It's happening. Um, if you could change, okay, so if you could change one thing about your job that you don't particularly like or you could put a change, what would it What would it be? So that's that's a tough one because yeah. so you're speaking to a man who really enjoys his job. Uh, I'm very passionate about it uh, and I generally try and have fun with it. Yeah. What I have tried to change is uh, over the last five years or so in particular is uh, really instilling a bit more fun in the day job. It, it can be quite turgid and quite dry at times. Uh, and, and so bringing your own personality to work, um, letting that shine through both in the workplace um, with clients, I think is, is really key. No, it's true. And obviously, you're always helpful and always wanting to get you are passionate, as you say, about the law and to give back to the legal community. And we're grateful for you obviously hopping on today and sharing your insights. But outside of obviously being a regular feature on the Legally Speaking podcast, do you, what other stuff do you do or do you contribute to or involved in the wider legal community? So I, th- I think it's a, it's a great question. I think I think it's really That's why I asked it. <laughs> full, of, full of great questions today, Rob. Well, I've got to do it one week, haven't you? <laughs> so I, I think um, the, the key with all of this is uh, not to fall into a rut where you're coming to work, sitting behind the desk, yeah. bashing out a few emails and bits of advice and, and then going home. You need to have a rounded approach to um, both your your sort of client base, um, your firm, and then I think you're saying you're alluding to the fact that also the wider community. Yeah. Basically, the, the sort of the network you establish over the years. Uh, a, a lot of my uh, sort of trainee friends from from times gone by have all 
gone into really interesting areas of law, um, keep keeping that network going and um, being a part of something bigger than, than just your own practice and your own firm uh, is really key. Yeah. And that's a really good point because that's a theme that's continually recurring on the podcast. I'm really glad that that's coming from top down, that you're also encouraging that. Um, I think that's a good thing and a win for the industry. Um, there is one word we have also avoided using up to this date on the podcast because everyone's sick and tired of it, but it does begin with a B. And Ed, you're going to be the first to tackle this question. Good old Brexit. Um, is that having an impact on your practice, the market generally? And what's your, your take on it? Well, we probably need to date stamp when we're having this conversation <laughs> because what I say now will be heavily out of date in 24 hours time, I expect. Yeah. And um, I, I think it, it is having an impact on the practice, on the market as a whole. Um, but I think it's also a, a great excuse that's being banded around by a lot of people. Yeah. Um, that there are lots of really exciting projects which are apparently on hold until more certainty comes through in the market. <laughs> um, so one could say Brexit is, is perhaps responsible for some of that. Yeah. But there's an equal amount of uh, really good things that are happening uh, regardless of Brexit. Uh, and I think uh, I'm, I'm an optimist. I like to focus on what's in front of me. Good stuff. And then there was one question our listeners did want to ask, given this is the um, Harvey versus Hooper. It's a very much yes or no answer. Would you have Harvey Specter in a fight? Yes or no? So I'm going to say yes. Of no. course you would. <laughs> it could be a bit of yes and no, if you like. So I'm not a boxer. I wouldn't wouldn't win in a in a in a Physical fights, uh, but as you've alluded to, I'm a fast runner, so I'd show him a clean pair of heels. <laughs> um, I wouldn't beat him in a courtroom because I'm not a litigator. Um, oh, really? <laughs> so you mean you don't litigate and do corporate and do a bit of employment? So where I would beat him, or, or at least match him, uh, is, is in a boardroom. Yeah. And um, one thing I really admire about you, Ed, as well, you've been so successful, you've become a partner in a very highly well-regarded international law firm, but you're still a family man as well, right? I think that the, the honest truth is it's it's very hard, um, yep. both being a parent full stop, regardless of work. Um, it's it's a difficult role uh, and, and being a partner in a law firm is a difficult job. So you sort of take on two and you, you imagine that to some extent it sort of doubles up. Yeah. Um, but then we, we've already established that I, I absolutely love my job. I can tell you yep. definitively that I love my family a lot more. <laughs> and you know your wife's listening to this hog. <laughs> That's more socks of Christmas, though, guaranteed. Yeah, yeah you've got it. So I, th I think what what that means is um, really sort of being flexible uh, in yeah. in how you approach how you approach these two roles now that it's a constant juggling act of course um, but i think we are fortunate these days to live in a flexible environment we we do a lot of agile working as a firm and what, what i personally uh, enjoy is uh, hanging back in the morning at home if i can for a bit longer yeah. uh, in order to catch my kids when they're full of beans yeah and uh, finding pockets of time in the diary that are very much circled up for the family but is that easier said than done sitting in a partner's seat? Whereas say you're a mid-level associate, senior associate, you've got a young family. Is, is that possible? Or is it a case of having the conversation with the firm and ironing it out? Because again, people wanting to aspire to be partners and not seeing it 
being flexible enough, what, what would you say to those people? I, I would say it would be pretty hypocritical, to be honest, if it, yeah. if it applied only to partners. Um, so I'm, I'm really keen that uh, everyone in my team uh, has the same flexibility, um, provided that they deliver the, the, the same results. Great stuff. And just a couple of questions before we wrap up, and it's kind of on the theme of what we've been talking about here, and it links back to your career and all the, the sort of moves and risks you've taken how important do you think it is to find a law firm where you suit the culture to allow you to progress simply over money moves because we know the u.s firms are paying vast quantities of money to associates and you know there are trends happening in the london market but what do you say to that well let's face it it, it depends what drives you doesn't it if, if, yeah. if money drives you then be an investment banker yeah so seriously if money drives you then uh, get, go and find the best pay packet going yeah. Um, if if you don't like the culture and you're purely doing it for the money, uh, I, I would suggest that that's not a, a long-term sustainable move. Yeah. Uh, we, we all as lawyers spend a lot of time at the desk, really throwing ourselves into the profession. And for me, you've got to, the, the amount of time that you spend doing that, you've got to enjoy yourself. Listen, Ed, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, having you on. Just in terms of outside of work, um, what do you keep, what do you do to sort of have fun? What do you do to sort of downtime? I think you've promised me a beer after this recording, but what what, what do you tend to do outside of work that, that keeps you sort of you know active and, and busy? Well, I think that's uh, something that I always uh, ponder myself. I think work work can at times be all consuming. At, at yeah. the moment, I have a young family, so a lot of my Additional time uh, very much belongs to them, but I think it's really important to take time out for yourself and uh, focus in on a few things that you enjoy. For, for me, that's uh, staying healthy and uh, keeping fit. So uh, going, going for a run, if you can do it with friends, uh, so much the better. Yeah, just had to drop in the running though. He's better than me again, didn't he? Um, Ed, listen, once again, thank you so much. Uh, I think that's been really enlightening in terms of the Harvey versus Hooper. People can leave it to their own assumptions whether they still think Suits is real or not. It'll be an ongoing debate for the rest of the season, but thanks very much and uh, over and out. Pleasure.